This is the Kamloops Insider with Parker Bennett. Hey, welcome everybody to the Kamloops Insider podcast. This is episode 13. We are definitely not in our usual studio, so there's going to be a lot more background noise on this podcast. And I do apologize for that. But I'm really excited about the topic that we're going to talk to you today about, which is a topic that I'm, I'm completely exhausting all definitions to what the word leverage means. And it's something that's been like on my mind. It's been consuming my attention lately. So I want to go into like a real deep conversation today about leverage. Before I get into that topic, I kind of feel like we haven't really introduced the group. We're not a team, but on the podcast, we are absolutely a team. So uh, who wants to go first? Allie? I'll go first. Okay. Yes. Uh, my name is Allie, Alejandra for long, but it's just my mom really angry. So we'll keep it at Allie. Um, my first language is Spanish. I learned English since I'm in kindergarten, so it feels like I can call that a second very strong language. I can speak Italian and I can speak French after a French bottle of wine. <laughs> yeah. And then you speak it really well, right? Really well, yeah. very fluent. Uh, <laughs> I might make some words up in Italian and in French. We just add them to the dictionary. That's uh, totally allowed for French, by the way. Yeah. yeah. I, you just put... Very slangy type. In Latin <laughs> language, you just need to add the ending that relates to the language, right. and you 90% you're there. Uh, I have three boys. Uh, they drive me crazy. My house is always untidy because of them. I'm going to blame it on them. <laughs> <laughs> Ages 10, 12, and 6. Um, and a great husband, Ryan, that tolerates all my bad moods. That's nice. me. Wait, and you forgot to tell... What? You're a realtor. I am a realtor. Here yes. at Royal LePage Westwood. <laughs> Filipino. <laughs> You're up. Okay. Um, I also am a real estate agent here at Royal LePage Westwood. How ironic. Weird, hey? Yes. Yeah, Very that's me. Um, I am a single working, obviously working mom. Two kids. They are crazy. 10-year-old, 12-year-old. They play every sport. So I'm usually run off my feet. And yeah, so the house thing, cleaning the house, pff, no, not happening. Um, I was a teacher for 20 years, so... Um, what did you teach? Oh, I taught at Sahali, Chase, um, in Vancouver, Valley View, and Brock, and then finished my career at uh, the Fine Arts School. So I've really been yes. all over the city. Why so many schools? Is that just how the teacher gig is? Well, do you know that 20 years is a long time? Right. And right? So, yeah, that, that is how the... T and especially at the beginning, you were laid off every four years, right? So so it's not like a struggling, like, defenseman in the NHL who, like, if he has, like, a long statistical record of a lot of teams, he's probably just no. not, like... <laughs> no. Which one did you like the most? I, you know what? I enjoyed everyone for different reasons. Okay. Um, so Hallie, I, I met a lot of really great people, and I, and I coached volleyball for years and years and years. So you build a really good rapport with your students. And some of them are like my very good friends now because I'm way older. Uh, and, um, yeah, I, I really love that part of it. So, cool. yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Well, 
I don't know if you guys notice this or not, but I, I am also a real estate agent. What? Yeah, at Royal LePage Westman. So <laughs> we just thought we'd get that out of the way. Um, I came from a background, very mechanical background of, I was a mechanic for eight years, a heavy duty mechanic, and then moved into home inspection where I started a home inspection, multi-inspection firm here in Kamloops about 11 years ago, 12 years ago, 13 years ago. And time flies when you're having fun. And about um, eight years into that, which is ironically my magic number, I sold the business and became a real estate agent. Mm. And that's where I am. And I have two amazing girls, the nine and 12, who love their teachers. <laughs> and an amazing wife that is a nurse, and her name is Sarah. She's not a real estate agent. <laughs> Thank goodness. She's so cute and she's so nice. Mm hmm. She's fiery though sometimes. Fiery's good. That's great. Right. A little bit of yep. passion in the relationship. Yeah. yeah. That's all good. And I also I do not clean a house. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've established that none of us here have clean houses. I've chosen somebody who needs to clean our house and I pay them. It makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. Yep. Right. You do what you're good at. 100%. I'm not good at cleaning a tub. I should focus on what I'm good at. Which is being a real estate agent. Real estate agent. Mm. Well, I was a housekeeping manager for years. <laughs> so I just uh, inspect. So you know, <laughs> right. your house is probably clean. You just probably don't see it as being clean. I don't know. But comparatively. You know what? It doesn't last long. When you have three boys, oh, they just the last trash the place. Them. I don't really care. You know what? They have fun. I'd rather yeah. they have fun. Okay, here's my disclosure. I have a cleaning lady. Yeah. And she comes every two weeks. So for like two days the house is clean. out of the month, my house is clean. It's amazing. Yeah. So let me ask you, is it the two days before she comes? The two days <laughs> <laughs> the, I, It's the two days during. That's it. When I tell my wife, the cleaning lady's coming on Saturday, Friday night, she's like scrambling through the house so, cleaning. Yeah, she doesn't yeah, want to be perceived as being dirty. <laughs> How ironic. All right. So the topic I want to bust into today is um, leverage. And I think there's like a lot of different uses for that word leverage. And there's a very specific reason I want to talk about it today, which is more from the real estate perspective of leverage in the transaction of the purchase of a sale of, or sale of a house. Okay. okay. And, I'll, and yeah. I'll dive into that a little bit further, but I'll start off with the actual um, Stanford dictionary version of what the definition of leverage is which they've defined it in five different ways, four or five different ways. And I collaborated, collaborated those five different meanings to come up with my own <laughs> dictionary definition. And then I'll give you what my definition is. Yeah. So the exertion of force by means of a lever to maximize its advantage, which makes sense like the teeter-totter. It's very scientific. That's a very scientific definition. Yes. Right. I have my own definition which I've just created, so it doesn't mean anything. It's not in a book anywhere, but it definitely is in a podcast. <laughs> it's like the mixing of the languages. Yes, right? There yes. you go. Yeah. So the exertion of an emotional force to maximize its advantage in a current environment. And the environment that we're going to talk about is like the, the culture of a real estate transaction 
And the reason that I say it's an emotional force, because it's actually not a physical force, right. you're not forcing pressure on anything or anybody, but from an emotional perspective, the transaction, the negotiations, the conditions of a buyer's market or a seller's market, those are all really emotional conditions within a real estate environment. And that's what I want to focus on today, because I think it, there's a lot of different ways in which leverage, although the term not being used, is very active in our in our day-to-day business. Yes, absolutely. So let's start by a, a few examples, because I feel like leverage can be used in so many different aspects, like the emotional leverage. Mm-hmm. So f- from now on, when I talk in this podcast about leverage, I totally mean the, the, the emotional leverage. Yeah. Okay. No more scientific stuff. No more scientific stuff. Okay. So Good. I thought what I'd start off with is like a, an example of leverage and how leverage can be used to maximize your advantage in a certain environment. So like, I listen to Gary Vaynerchuk a lot and he talks about leverage a lot. And maybe that's why it's kind of like a, 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 a thing that's in my head all the time. But there is a musician. Um, everybody knows that the music industry is a fairly has been in the past, like a very corrupt environment where large corporate companies take control of their musicians by means of getting them at the right time, like getting them before they're famous because a musician artistically doesn't naturally typically have a lot of business sense. Right. So they, they come from an art perspective as opposed to from like a real business perspective, which is usually just more of a definition of their character. Mm-hmm. And so they, you know, like Sony or one of the big brands would, would pick them up because they feel like they have potential. But at this point, they don't have any leverage in the game because they don't have a fan base and you can sign them for a million, multi-million dollar deal, which seems amazing when you're at the bottom of your, your career. Mm-hmm. But, you know, halfway through when you've built this huge fan base and you're like a superstar, you may find that like a couple million dollar contract is really being undervalued. Right. Mm-hmm. And now the company has you kind of like by the bull and horns and you don't have any leverage in that game. You, you may find other ways of getting leverage, but... So there's a, there's a musician right now, I won't mention his name because I don't really know all the details about this guy's specifics, but essentially what he did is there's so many like social media apps and platforms right now where you can be an artist and get your music played for free. Spotify's one, you know, Facebook has, a, you know, a, an area where they can pump out some music and there's, there's several others. I won't even go into them because I'm not really super familiar with them, but this musician, what he did was he built his fan base first. So he was very social media savvy, sort of had a business sense about himself. He got his music played a lot and built the fan base first while he wasn't making any money because everything was free. But he did that to the point now where he's turning down all these corporate companies from being able to take a run at them, um, even at a greater multi-million dollar contract level. Mm-hmm. Because he's already got the leverage. He's got the fan base. He doesn't need that part of it. It's It would be like Sony or the music companies that need him because they're worried like this guy's building all this free music and it's become popular. You know, they, they're losing their leverage in that transaction, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so a great way, if you can resist when you're a musician and people are saying like, hey, you're great. If you can resist that early stage of your life to, to build, you know, that empire of fan base... 
you really have the you'll you'll have the leverage later, right? So that's yeah. like one yeah. example that really stood. Good out. example, yeah. Yeah. Um, another one would be like getting a job. Like imagine, you realistically you you apply for a job, a position, and I'm I'm thinking like, I haven't applied for a job for. <laughs> I don't know, 20 years. So I, I, I've done it lately. Maybe it's a little bit yeah. different, but you know, at one point you would, you'd have a resume theory, theoretically, and you would enter your employer's office and you drop the resume off and they would review it and they'd be like, well, yeah, I think you're, you know, you're probably going to fit or you're not going to fit or whatever. Here's the wage. You know, you don't really have the leverage in that situation. However, imagine coming to an employer with all the skill sets that you needed for that, that position but positioning it differently to maximize leverage in that position. When it is for a job, and I've experienced it in both ways, one where you go and you really want that job, you want the job before the, even the interview, just saw the thing on an ad yeah. and you want that job. You go with a different mindset that when you say, I'm going to go to the interview, I don't really care if I get the job or not. Yeah. And now you're getting that job because you're so confident to what you're going to say. Yeah. So to me, the leverage there is mental. It sure. is, it is, it's a perception. Right. It's, it's like you said, not, it's, it's not physical. You can't touch it. It's definitely a perception. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I've been in interviews where I just sit back because I am so confident. I'm n this person does not intimidate me. Right. You get the job. Right. Because they're looking for, for that confidence, right? Right. They're not looking for the shaking person who's mm -hmm. yeah. and just swings your way. Yeah. Mm. I got an example. Like I hired an assistant in a previous industry, and we interviewed four or five or six different people. There was one person that stood out huge in my mind, and we were. This was in like two thousand and seven, eight. So there was kind of like a the market was aggressive. Like every, every industry seemed to be doing really well. Mining was big. Housing industry was big. And I remember phoning her back the next day, kind of with a chip on my shoulder saying, you know, we kind of selected you to be the, you know, you won. Okay. You're the next employee. And the gal said to me, she was, well, I have one more interview that I want to go through before I accept a job and like immediately turned the leverage on me. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, what? I can't bear to lose her. <laughs> like, what will it take to get her right now? Where, so the, yeah. the price of what I was willing to pay just went up. Yeah. It's like we went from like, maybe I can get in at this price. This is all I can afford. And it just went from zero to the top end, like yeah. in a phone conversation. An amazing way to turn that, turn that table, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So like that really affects real estate transactions. And like you say, it's not a physical presence. It's more of an emotional perceived feeling. And I mean, the easiest way to define it quickly would be we are in a seller's market right now. And what does that really mean? Mm -hmm. What's the difference? between? You need to explain what a seller's market actually is. There's yeah. a lot of um, misunderstanding around that. There's, there's a ton. So like a seller's market is when there's just more buyers than houses on a ratio. So, and most of the times, not always, the seller has the leverage in almost all cases. Yes. At least initially. Yes. So you have a, a scenario where let's say 
for every 15 listings, there's a buyer. Let's say it's a one to 15 ratio. And I think that's pretty reasonable to say a one in 15 ratio would probably be like somewhere like a static level playing field, not a buyer's market, not a seller's market. Mm -hmm. And you take and you remove 30 or 40% of those listings per every one good buyer. You've created an environment where there's a race to each listing because there'll be 10 or 15 different individuals looking at every specific type of, of house that gets listed. So the seller initially has leverage. Whereas on the flip side, if it was a buyer's market, it would be somewhere in the area of there's like 30 or 40 listings. And I know you just came out of one of these markets. In yes. Fort McMurray. Fort Mac. Yeah. So you have maybe 30 or 40 listings for every one good buyer. And so, so you get one showing a week and you're happy. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And the buyer kind of walks around with a chip on his shoulder, like maybe this one, maybe your neighbor, I don't know which one ever pops out as the best deal. Yeah. Right? And that's when the low ball, and I'm not talking about 20, 30, I'm talking about 50, $70,000 yeah. below offers start coming. Right. And you don't say no right away. That's yeah. the sad part. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in a, in a seller's market like we're in, um, that's where you get into maybe multiple offers and you get into uh, buyers who will, you know, work around your dates, you know, initially, or um, maybe doesn't do all the due diligence necessary. In the Vancouver market recently, there was offers that were being made, no home inspection, no financing clauses. Mm -hmm. It was just like a cash offer and we'll put a really big deposit down. And that's what happens in a seller's market, right? right. Those types of scenarios happen. Yeah. Now, I think... That's just an initial condition because it can change inside of yes. the transaction. But it does take savvy realtors to be able to identify different components of leverage through the transaction. And like personally, I'm always trying to win that leverage in a deal. And I don't think that you in a, a true seller's market, you always do, but at least being aware of it there may be a, a scenario that happens that we'll talk about, a condition or maybe a magic find that you find during your due diligence period that could change the leverage. And as a real estate agent, I think it's really important to understand that a buyer or a seller that sells their house once every seven years, they don't really get, what do you mean you got leverage or you don't have leverage? That, that doesn't really like phase mm -hmm. them. They, they could be apt to it, but I don't think it's really like something they think about from time to time. Whereas it's our job to kind of like focus in on who has leverage and take advantage in every scenario when you have leverage in a transaction. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about, let's talk about leverage. Let's, let's create a scenario where you purchase a house in a seller's market and there is multiple offers. So you've probably prepared your buyer, let's say we're representing buyers, you've prepared your buyer that you're going to have to come in at full price. Even though if the house next door, which was identical in every shape, came on the market and there wasn't multiple offers, you could come in a lot lower because mm -hmm. there'd be like time to negotiate. Yeah. Where if there was another buyer at the same time, you lose the leverage of time. Mm -hmm. And you have to just come in at full price or over or change your conditions to be considered in that transaction. Would that be fair yes. to say? Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
Okay. I've got to explain this very carefully because the examples I want to use are pretty recent. So I've got to make them like <laughs> not so identifiable. Um, okay. Let's say you get um, an accepted offer on a property and it's for full price. And now you're doing your due diligence period and you have your financing clause and your home inspection, which are kind of like two conditions that are like pressing for time, um, very emotional home inspection type environment, not so much maybe on, you know, discovering title and stuff like that, which can be usually done before you even make an offer if it's really critical. Yeah. Um, Let's say you find a disastrous condition inside that home, which is worthy of renegotiating. And you're in a situation where you don't have leverage at least yet. So you've, let's create a scenario. A roof, a big windstorm, and it blew 20 shingles off the roof in an area that you couldn't see. And the perception of the house was that it was very new and it shouldn't have any issues with a roof. But because the wind blew these shingles off and it happened like nine months ago, there's a lot of damage in the attic area, which is not someone someone has really evaluated for a while. Mm-hmm. So now the leverage so has changed. changed. yeah. And the reason is because now that seller has to disclose that to everybody else that comes. Right. So in a, in a way, it did change. It, it changed the leverage. Because now you have to convince those other buyers once they see the disclosure, right. th- that they are you still going to make an offer with this disclosure kind of thing? Now, let's say I was representing the seller in that deal. Okay. Okay. And I'm always concerned about the leverage after the, the initial offer. Like if, if I'm representing the seller and we have leverage and you make multiple offers come in and we get an accepted offer and then the buyer discovers something like, an attic issue or like a mold issue because something had leaked for a really long time and it can be very litigious to say that word mold. So the, the buying agent feels they're going to flip the leverage on me as a representative from the seller. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Not only should it be my responsibility as a listing representative to continue the showing process or encourage a backup offer because you would really change the leverage game if a realtor said, hey, by the way, we just found this disastrous issue in the attic. We're getting quotes on it. We still like the house. We want to buy it, but this is a problem. And it's going to cost five, ten, seven thousand dollars $7,000, whatever. Mm-hmm. If you were to announce the idea that you already had a backup offer accepted, You could then go and acknowledge the backup offer, indicating that there's an issue in the attic. And if you're okay with it, the original offer may be going south. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, as a a buying agent that's in that premier position, they have understand emotionally, whether they understand the word leverage or not, that the leverage has now turned to yet again. Right. Mm -hmm. Right? So now the idea of negotiating, although it is a significant issue and it's worthy of negotiating, if you really want that house and you're in a seller's market and you haven't found another house like it um, that's been available, you might be willing to eat that cost out of fear 
pure fear that the backup offer may jump into first position. Right. I always think it's better to evaluate a house when you list it for potential issues like that. Like I do a risk mm-hmm. assessment on what's potentially could come my way in a negotiation, a renegotiation after the fact. I think it's your duty to do that risk assessment so that you maintain leverage. You would never want to lose that leverage in a, in a situation. It's going to cost your seller, your representative, you're going to cost them money, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've heard people say, I don't want to do a home inspection just in case th- someone else can discover it. That's not in their best interest. Sellers I'm talking about. Yeah. Like it's their job to find. It's not my problem. Well, I, for example, I try to explain, well, this is going to be discovered sooner or later. Yeah. And, and the buyer will want to renegotiate if they discover something. So might as well you discover it. Right. Let them know. So whatever initial offer is will stand. They right. knew. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Mm-hmm. So you eliminate your, the, the, the buyer's leverage. Right. I have a scenario... I just don't know if I want to say it on a podcast because realtors are going to like take this, but we're, whatever, it's worthy. It's worthy of explaining. <laughs> so I'm listing a house and I know it's got a 40 year old furnace and I know that initially we're going to have leverage and we'll get close to asking price or we'll get a lot of interest in the property and that the furnace age, even though a very lame person could walk by that furnace and understand that is a Cadillac of 1970 but they would not they would not utilize that information in their offer because they know that there's going to be multiple offers competing offers or they don't have the leverage and they need to jump on this property but now once they've tied it up they may come back to that furnace as a potential renegotiation item mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so what i would do is a listing and if you've ever gone through a listing of mine that's had a, an old cadillac in the in the furnace room you'll probably notice that we'll pre-inspect the cadillac to make sure that it doesn't have any like deficiencies, it's just old. Yeah, yeah. Then there is no potential for leverage to change in that transaction. Right. They, they can come back and say, hey, you know, the furnace is really old. Yeah, but we have documentation here that says that we've checked it for the critical items like a crack in the heat exchanger, which can cause death, you know, if you're not mm-hmm. paying attention to carbon monoxide poisoning. Um, and then it's just like an old, inefficient furnace. Well, what would you expect in an old, inefficient house, right? right. Yeah. So I would always do that on furnace or let's say I see a roof that's fairly old, probably beyond its life expectancy, but yet it doesn't look like it's a deficient item today. And I know that I have, you know, I'm going to have a buyer later come back to me on that roof. It's always going to be after home inspection. There's a good way to protect your leverage in that transaction. Mm-hmm. Right. And it never becomes an issue. Yeah. I think like the most important aspect to remember is real estate. I don't think every realtor does this. I think, you know, a veteran realtor that sells a lot of real estate probably has this in the back of their mind, just naturally, instinctively. They're always kind of focused on who kind of has the upper hand or who doesn't have the upper hand, you know, the, but for, from my perspective, understanding who has the leverage at every single moment of the game is super, super, super important from yeah. a realtor, yeah. yeah, real estate agent. And I'll, I'll like, I'll give you an exa- another example here. <clears throat> you phone a real estate agent because you have a new listing, but he doesn't phone you back because he knows he's got the leverage. He doesn't really need 
to get back to you right away. And if you continue to phone him because you have a client that wants to get in that property, it's indicating that, that there's a very defined leverage situation yeah. there, right? Yeah. I am in that situation right now. Right. Yeah. On a property that you're trying to get into. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been a week of constantly Fun. asking. Yeah. Right? And some realtors may find to their benefit that listing a property and then not letting anyone see it for a couple of days can really explore the price situation and potential leverage opportunities on other agents or buyers. Mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't recommend it for my clients, but I do know that you know some individuals may yeah. Yeah. operate that. Yeah. Maybe not in Kamloops. Yeah. Maybe in other districts. <laughs> I wouldn't say Kamloops has a bad rap for it, but okay. So, like, give me an example of a situation where you knew you did not have leverage in a transaction. It was just eating you. Hmm. When I did not have leverage. Because there's other factors in like the leverage only doesn't just end with negotiations. It doesn't end on the price and then a renegotiation. But it's also like it, it plays value in. Let's turn the tables and let's pretend it's a buyer's market. So the buyer has leverage. Let's say the buyer is cruising around and decides he wants to look at a place on Christmas Eve. And you have not had a showing at your property for several weeks. <laughs> you just might be inclined to like, You're moving okay, that kids. Party to grandma's. Right. Yeah. We hope Tim Hortons is open for a few hours because we're going to go sneak out. We're going to start a new Christmas Eve tradition. Yes. How do you think that plays in the consumer's perception of changing houses, like just the real estate transaction in general? Well, you told me to think about an example, so I'm going to give you an example. Okay, give me an example. Um, I think that, and I, like I said, uh, as a perception, I had a client that really, really wanted a house. That takes away all my leverage. Yep. I have to tell them, you know, you're, you're tying my hands for negotiation the minute you tell me it doesn't matter, I need in that house. Right. And, and so... That's where sometimes people need to understand we need to just just call it yours the day we remove all subjects. Yeah. Not before that. Right. Because that's when I lose all the leverage. Now I have not, it, it's not that I don't have anything. We can negotiate, but we have to th let them know that right. we might not get what we want and you still want the house. Right. So mm -hmm. yeah. that's when I lose leverage mentally because I know like I want it. Or when the, the buyer's like yeah. hanging out on the edge street corner. So, I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of doing this personally. Like I, I bought a house and while we were in negotiations, it backed on the crown land. I was like scoping the crown land behind the house after work one day. And when I walked out to where my vehicle was parked, I just happened to run into the buyer, or the seller. The seller. And the guy stops yeah. and he's like, can I help you? Like, what are you doing behind my house? Right. And I'm like, oh man. Well, I it's used to good. hike Valley View, uh, you know, the ridge above behind. That's yep. where my house is, and sit on the very top. Now I look, and I can see the people there. 
And I'm thinking that the seller thought probably I was stalking him. Right. But I, I mean, I had removed all conditions, but I was so sitting, yeah, yeah. I was sitting there yeah. looking at what was going to be my future house. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so. Here, here's a good condition. This is a bit of my favorite one. You're representing a buyer. The seller has accepted an offer, and you do your due diligence. Um, as you would normally do. So let's say, for instance, I typically like to do a home inspection near the end of due diligence because I like to get, the financing is typically the hardest bone to break in a deal. Typically, not in every case, but typically, right? Mm -hmm. This particular transaction, I did not know if the financing was going to be good. I knew we were at our limits. Like I knew we were going to be, like if I got the call and they were like, it's just not going to work, I'd have to really do some shuffling to figure this deal out. Okay. But my guy's super excited to buy the property. Did I say guy? Mm, person. I meant gal. My, my person. I meant gal. <laughs> so then they jump in and do a home inspection right away. And they find a, a very intriguing issue. And we did some evaluation, some number crunching. We came up with a number of $5,000. And I think that was a real fair number. And with the wrong person, that number could have been 20000 and let me explain that. The issue realistically was $5,000 to correct. But because it had the word mold attached mm -hmm. to it, if you were to like phone a mold remediation company, it could have been $20,000 fix. And so I knew we were going to be doing some negotiating. And I get the call from the realtor. The realtor's phoning me every day. How'd the inspection go? How'd the inspection go? And I got to be like, I haven't talked to my client yet because I don't want the cat out of the bag until I know I got my financing in order. Because yeah. if I negotiate now, mm -hmm. another buyer could come. If I was representing the, the, the seller, I would say, well, let us think about it. Get your financing or let me think about it. And I'm going to have like an open house that weekend. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm going to get people in there and, 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 you know, get a little bit more into it. Whereas... If, if I wait to announce the renegotiation, I wonder how many realtors listen to the podcast? Probably none. <laughs> Secrets revealed here yeah. on the podcast. Probably none. But I wouldn't want to reveal that until I had the ability to say, if you remove $5,000 from the purchase price, this deal is done. Yeah. Yeah. Like so I'm going to remove all those other conditions. And then you should, there's yeah. your leverage. Because that's the leverage, mm -hmm. yeah. right? So the seller might think five grand, are you crazy? But if the, if the, if the deal is just going to be done after that might just swallow hard and say, let's just get, let's it, done. Just get it done. Mm -hmm. Whereas if he has time to like think about $5,000 for a week, he's going to be like, you know what? I thought about it. And I just tell that guy, just go pound sand. Forget it. Right. Did I say guy? Um, yes, you did. Once again, I think I'm a girl. So really, the whole gist, the whole key of this is no matter which end you're working for, if you're working for the buyer, you're working for the seller, you need to know what your leverage is you and to know how to get that. When leverage could be altered on you mm. in a transaction. And it's like, you know, you could have, um, I had a buyer that came to me and was basically like, I just can't believe this house is this price. And I knew he was buying it. Even if he if it turned out that 
a large volcano poked up in the kitchen and started spilling lava. He was buying this property, okay? I can imagine the volcano now. Yeah. And he, 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 you know, he wouldn't leave the house. He hung around the house. Did I say he? Yes. They. They. He or she. He or she was hanging around the house, you know, beyond after the, you know, initial showing. He's always hanging. Then the next thing you know, the guy's out mowing his lawn, so he's chatting the guy up and, you know, I really like your house. I really like this, da 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 then we find a problem, a yeah. significant problem, $20,000, $25,000 issue, okay? And he even tells me, I, I'm going to eat it if I have to. But I want something in this deal. And the trouble is, is that even though the other real estate agent might not have picked up on who had leverage or was, for that matter, even cared because he was very vacant in the transaction, the seller picked up on it. Because he was very involved with the transaction. Like, mm, there yeah. was communications between buy and seller. He picked up on the fact that yeah. no matter what you find, is just not going to steer you away from the idea that you want this property. Yeah. And there's nothing I, as a real estate agent, can do. Yeah, I'm, My hands are tied because you kind of, like, showed your cards. Yes. So I tried and tried and tried to get something for that, and it, it just wasn't going to happen. And the seller was just grinning ear to ear. Yeah. So here's a condition where... Yeah. You know, you, you think as a buyer, like, I just want to be a really good person and chat with the seller now that the number's out there. And then you explore an issue and you've kind of given up your cards. Yeah. You know, there's there's an issue. And I guarantee you, yeah. in a transaction that's for sale by owner, every situation will be, the, the, the cards will be laid out like that. Yeah. Because the buyer is conducting, you know, straight to the seller and there's just no way to hide I mean, I guess you could. You could be like a really good poker player or something like that, and you could yeah, pick yeah. up on it. But I don't think the average person would really be in a situation where they would trying to play the upper hand mm-hmm. um, in a transaction like that. Yeah. There's a really good reason why you don't want to buy a house from a for sale by owner. I mean, there's a good reason why you would want to sell as a for sale by owner. But as a buyer, why not for free? Because basically it is for free. It's not a purchase. It, you know, if there's a house that's for sale by owner, the only reason those guys are selling by owner is because they want to save commission. Yes. Yeah. So they're going to save the money. A buyer comes along, they're not going to be like, well, you saved the money. No. The seller mm-hmm. saved the money. Yeah. And so as a buyer, you would always want representation just because you be aware of leverage, be just more clued in on... And I don't want to change the subject from a for sale by yeah. owner conversation, but I think the leverage factor plays a huge role. Yes. And the fact that you mentioned before, uh, you don't show your cards either. That's because right. now the, the buyer is not face to face with the seller and uh, the emotions just show through your face, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you bring all your family and your family, your kids are telling them how which bedroom is going to be for who. Yeah. And, and the seller excited. is there. Yeah. Now the leverage is the other guy. You cho- Your kids chose your bedroom already. Like yeah. The, yeah. Anyways, I think, you know, like the idea of like leverage and transactions was super important. I, it's super important to be a parent and understand leverage. Uh, <laughs> Tell me about right? it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. you want me to talk about my leverage moment this past weekend? Yeah, do it. That was a good one. Uh, where my oldest son said, daddy's being mean. I'm now going to hockey. He, you didn't say mean. You didn't use well, that word. <laughs> um I'm going to bleep it out of this one. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, my kids know how much I enjoy watching them 
play their games. They really know that they have me there, that I'll be in every game screaming at them and everything in the good way. So he said, I'm not going. So, I mean, he wanted me to go and tell his dad how mean or how he thought he was feeling and be the person in the middle. I just told him, you just freed my day. Now the leverage is mine because yeah, I am it. happy I don't have to do hockey this weekend. <laughs> yeah. How'd that go down? Uh, he got quickly out of there and <laughs> went to tell his dad, I am going to hockey because yeah. I didn't create any effect on mom to to be on my side of this situation. Yeah. And everybody was happy. I mean, even the anger went away. Whatever makes it made him upset. He just wanted a little bit of leverage to justify his behavior, I guess. Right. But that was it. So I'm an expert at leverage at yeah. home. That's for sure. My my youngest doesn't understand leverage completely. She understands that there's a very leverageable thing but she doesn't understand how to get on the right side of it. <laughs> There's lots of times where she's like, I'll just keep begging you. No, you, you're missing it. You're just missing it there. That's not going to work. Mm -hmm. But they'll grow into it. This is a very natural thing to understand emotional leverage. Even mm -hmm. though if you don't identify it, you just feel it. It's just very, mm -hmm. you know. I'll tell you as a single parent, there's a lot of that that's tried to be used. The attempt. The, yeah, attempted. I don't play into it. Easy. It's it's a training process. Mm. I th I have I to I have to confess that when I had one child and he was little, he had the leverage. As years go by, I don't my my face doesn't really change. You if you're upset, that's too bad. You don't want to go to school? Fine. I am not going to argue. And right. and so all that leverage they're looking for is not there. Now I go I go to work with the keyboard of the computer, the all the remote controls and the electronics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all their electronics. Yeah. So no wonder your bag's so big. <laughs> Got all eight of those controllers. <laughs> Wi-Fi so, passwords. Next thing I know, he's walked to school on his own. Yeah. <laughs> Have a great day, honey. Yeah. Bye. Uh -huh. I got a closing thought. Have you ever had a client who said, I hate this game? Yes. I don't want to play the games. You're doing all this stuff. It's just, they're just playing games. I had a seller saying, we're now going to go back and forth. This is my price. Right. I'm not playing the game. No, mm. they yeah. don't want to go. But then you have to convince them and tell them that the buyer needs that game in order to feel... Like they've got to that they've got what they wanted. Either way, the market is just the market. You right. can't corrupt the market. When when Sears closed up, it wasn't because as consumers we made a mistake and we should have done more shopping. The, the market just said, you know what? It's done. It's done. Yeah. It's yeah. just the, what you're what you're doing is not working. So in like the real estate transaction, the negotiations and the idea of leverage and when you call someone back or the way that you structure your negotiations, it's really, although it's perceived as a game, it's the market. That's how it works. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And if you, if you don't want to play the, so to speak game, you give up your leverage in certain conditions. Yeah. True. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. how I see it. Yeah. You cannot do anything about what's happening in the market. You can't. You can't. No. 
Do you remember like the idea of like when you went into a bank in like the 80s, there would be a really big long lineup. <laughs> yeah. And you would wait in line. It was very quiet. It was like a library. You know, you yes. we didn't have cell phones, so there was nothing to do yeah. in that lineup, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> and you would get to the teller and it wouldn't be a very, it wouldn't be perceived looking back as a very customer friendly environment. No, no. Because the yeah. banks had the money. They had the leverage. Yeah. yeah. And right? you had to be there. There was no other way. No debit. <laughs> you remember the book? The book that oh, yeah, told yeah, you your yeah. transactions. They, and right, you had to stamp it. And you, they, yeah. the yeah, teller yeah, had to yeah. sign it and stamp it. Well, I think we're all dating ourselves. Hang on. Let's okay. back that up. <laughs> can we erase that? I can remember <laughs> my dad telling me the debit card thing, that, that won't last. That's not going to work. <laughs> no way. Yeah. I don't do online because it's dangerous. I don't hmm. do online. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the point of the, the story is that like the market is the market and the leverage is the leverage. And in a transaction, there is times when even in a seller's market where the tables can turn and the buyer can gain some leverage. It's, it's a real estate agent's job and it's their duty to their client that they're representing to maximize that emotional leverage, right? To, to, to get them the most advantage in, in, in that environment. Yes, yes, but find a real estate agent who understands that. I know one or two or three, at least three. <laughs> Sitting in this room right now? Yes. Hmm. All three of us, ready to go. Here comes the plug. Here it comes. Anyways, I'll, I'll wrap it up unless you got any other closing thoughts. That was no. my closing thought. You can wrap it up. Okay, cool. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>